and we're live. We're live. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, you know, actually, hold on a second. I have a feeling I should have done something before we started. I am going to go a little bit jittery. It's only because I'm disconnecting. Uh <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Sabah, everybody. Welcome back to the Android Bay. It is episode 103 on uh, January 8th, 2022, and I am live to you guys still from Las Vegas. Uh, most of my friends left. Uh, a lot of people started going home, and we're doing about the same anyways. Um, but overall, I felt like, you know, it would be nice to have a nice, you know, podcast uh, right before we leave. So I felt like we'll do this one uh, at the end of my trip here and, of course, culminating with the end of CES 2022. Uh, we had a couple of shows uh, this week. Mark, Sabaho, Ahlan Wasahlan, Greg, hope you're doing well. Chemi's in there as well. I see Dan in there. Uh, I see Grounded Tech. I see um, uh, Gitrit. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Jimmy Fry and Dragon, of course. Uh, and uh, everybody just, you know, I hope you guys are doing great. I hope you guys are having a good Saturday afternoon, mid-afternoon, depending on where you are. Uh, it is about 10 o'clock in the morning here in uh, Las Vegas, which is roughly the same time that we used to have the show. Um, CES has been an interesting week or an interesting event. Started a little bit early for me, as you, as every time we start early, there's always pre-CES uh, conferences. Uh, there's Pepcom, there's Showstoppers. We talked about a lot of that stuff with uh, Juan Carlos on the best of our week a couple of days ago. Today, I want to focus a little bit more on some of the things that I felt like I felt were the best of what I saw at CES and some of the unique technologies that I saw at CES that I think will definitely improve our lives in 2022. Um, so, uh, Bob, I hope you're doing great. Sabaho. And uh, sorry. And actually, if you guys can let me know uh, if the audio sounds okay. I am using a lavalier mic. I'm using the wireless Go system, but I'm actually connecting via a wire, well, with a wired lavalier to be a little bit more personal and cancel out some of the external noises if there happens to anybody. As you know, the family's still in there with me and, uh, you know, they're just resting on the other side here. Um, with that being said, hope you guys, again, are having a great weekend. There is... A lot more little teasers and shorts and reels that I'm going to be posting. I still have a lot more. I finally got a chance to check out the BMW car that changes colors. But I also got a chance to check out something that was very unique. Apparently, there was a secondary exhibit that, at the BMW that I think was really, really good. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thanks, Dan. Um, Ground the tech. And um, it's, been, it's been a crazy week. Uh, the, the show didn't feel the same. CES is by no means the way CES is typically known for, for being. I mean, busy, being crowded, being you cannot get to where you need to, you're always late, you're always bumping somebody. This has been a very different experience. And, and I, I'm hoping I'm actually, hold on, let me see if I can actually share some of that, some footage. Um, I think I have a couple of videos here, wrong account, sorry. I, I wanna show, I wanna show you guys some of the, I, I, and this is gonna be obviously in a separate video that I wanna post to you guys a little bit later on. I, had, I was shooting some uh, some B-roll yesterday as I was walking around the uh, the show floor. So for sure, uh, I, I saw a lot of technologies. I went to the Sony booth, as you can imagine. And uh, let me see here. This is so much. Uh, da, da, da. Where is where is that shot? I, I, I cannot find the shot right now. And I should have organized my stuff a little bit better. Um, oh, here. So let me share this photo with you guys here on the right. I'm going to share with you guys uh, just, I want to show you guys a little bit how the show floor felt. So the, the show floor is by, by no means what it used to be. And let me go ahead and just bring this up here. I'm going to go full screen. Uh, so this was like one of those other Mercedes cars that were going on. And this was the LG booth. 
This is how empty it was. LG had the space. They weren't able to basically come in, obviously, since they canceled. And they kept the space, but they kept it in a very open space experience. So there was a lot of things going on. Uh, a lot of nice cars. Uh, this was uh, close enough to the Snapdragon experience. So I was walking around. Sorry, this is streaming straight off of Google Photos, which is not the best way, but you can see it's clearing up a little bit. So that was the Snapdragon uh, booth right there. <laughs> There's a little bit more B-roll. Let me see if where else we can do this here. Can we shrink this? Nope, it doesn't. Uh, and of course, there was that cover letter that we cover photo that we did there. Overall, I think things have been very, very quiet, and rightfully so. Not everybody showed up. I think maybe one third of the attendance was there, and uh, very few. Um, actually, like the South Hall was closed, and actually the attendance overall from companies was also dropped because a lot of people decided to go virtual, uh, mostly because of the concerns that were going on. Now, you may have noticed the picture, one of the pictures we were looking at on the other side is the uh, self-desk. So that, that was one thing that CES did very well. Uh, they handed a lot of uh, the, um, I guess, the quick 15-minute response, uh, you know, testing for people to make sure that they they check their health, they make sure they're staying on top of it if they feel like they have any symptoms or anything like that. So those things were definitely very nice. Um, and, of course, it's just been very, very different. Um, I... I want to say TCL did the best. It was one of the best uh, booths. They had a much better presence since there was availabilities. And of course, they had some just amazing technologies there. So they we're into everything. Uh, Razer also had some really nice one. I dropped a video for that one as well with the Razer uh, Project Sophia desk. And there was actually quite a few other technologies that I saw. Like one of them, I think I mentioned with Juan yesterday, was a unique speaker. Like it's a speaker that allows us, hold on, let me see if I can bring that picture here. Because I think I have a picture of that one. And I also went go-karting, just for reference. There's a lot of pictures of that. And uh, the speaker itself actually broadcasts the, the audio to your ears. And uh, the unique technology for that is the making it so that you don't have to bug other people when you're listening to audio. But not only that, it's actually clear audio that you're able to listen to. So this was after TCL. And if I can, here we are. Da -da -da. Here we are. Okay, so uh, let's bring that one back. So this is the speaker that I'm talking about right there. Uh, it's actually called the N1 while it loads. Again, this is having to use Google Photos because a lot of my content is on different phones. Um, I, I took the Vivo X70 Pro Plus from Juan and it's been my driver this whole time. So a lot of the content that you saw posted, reels um, or even B-roll in some of the videos that I've been shooting on the where I had hands-on were shot with this as well as the A7 IV, which is uh, the camera that we're using right now to film. So this is something that I want to say first. And obviously, thank you to, to Sony for allowing me to borrow this. Unfortunately, this goes back on Monday. But, and this just does not want to load. Uh, we'll have to go back. Is it going to load? Nope. We are not doing it. Okay, here it is. Oh, this was a video. That's why it's not loading. So it's called the N1. It's from Novato. And it's this speaker it allows us to basically broadcast uh, sound from these two earpieces to our ears. There's cameras present here. And of course, there is a little bit of a, like an indicator letting us know that the cameras are on. And once it recognizes a face, it beams the audio straight to our ears. And one of the benefits there obviously is that if you are listening to it, like I say, you're standing where I am and I'm listening to the audio. Somebody standing right next to me, like right next to me, cannot hear a single thing. The audio does not permeate. It just literally plays in your ears. So this is really one of my, I feel like the most unique, coolest piece of tech. Although I feel like Project Sophia was the best option, this is definitely one of the really nice options that we've seen in there. Um, 
And then there was a lot of things obviously announced. OnePlus didn't actually show up. We were supposed to have some things going on with OnePlus, but unfortunately we weren't able to meet with them, but they did send us some content. So one thing that I really got excited about is I did get some samples of the camera performance. Now, one thing I wanna mention is that these samples are shot by OnePlus. These are not shots by me. So all of the images that we're looking at obviously are, I would think them more like PR images. And of course, we're gonna to need to wait to see actual usage and actual real life usage of those cameras to be able to appreciate the cameras. The configuration that came out, at least as you guys probably saw, um, specifications were really not a big surprise. A lot of people were kind of expecting the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Um, there's gonna be different configuration of RAM, obviously RAM and storage, but it's gonna be LPDDR5 as that's what the 8 Gen 1 supports, and UFS 3.1 as typical what we see with most high-end flagship devices. Uh, storage and configuration they didn't really mention, but I can imagine they'll have a 256, a 12, so on, something to the line of what we saw with the 9 Pro. Um, as far as battery, 5,000 with an 80-watt wire, wire charger and 50-watt wireless as well with reverse wireless charging. Um, I think it was um, Bluetooth 5.2, NFC, and of course we have uh, the triple camera setup on the back, which was again similar on numbers at least to what we saw last year, and that's the 48, 50, and 8. Um, 8 being the telephoto, the 50 being the ultra-wide, and the 48 being the primary sensor. 32 megapixel, uh, megapixel camera on the front. Now that one was actually surprisingly the camera that we saw um, as far as what we've seen for some time. The biggest difference on the back, what we saw there is that the ultra wide on the back now can go all the way up to 150 inches. Uh, uh, basically the diameter is much wider than what we've seen before. So let me show you what I mean with that one. I have actually a good shot of that one. Uh, ultra wide comparison. So here, let's open up this one and let's bring back the second screen. So this is what they provided me as a shot, uh, and this is a shot uh, directly taken on a OnePlus 9 Pro. So this is the 2021 edition OnePlus 9 Pro, and this is what I typically would shoot as an ultra-wide. And then if we switch it over to the OnePlus, uh, and they're calling it the OnePlus X, but again, X Hasselblad, X being uh, the OnePlus 10 Pro. So X, Roman numeral, I'm assuming they're using the X for that. Uh, but it's, you could definitely see the big difference between the two going on an ultra-wide on the standard 9 Pro, well, the 9 Pro from last year, and this one. Um, Directional audio is, yeah, so uh, not to go too far. Uh, Dan, definitely, I'm, I'm with you on that one. The audio on that one, I'll, I'll have to say this. It was surprising. As a concept, I haven't, it's not like I was very foreign. It was a foreign concept to me, but to see it actually applied so quickly. We were in the middle of the show. This was Pepcom, and there was a lot of people going on. I mean, it's not super, super busy as it used to be, but it was still busy enough that there was enough background noise to actually kind of drown out any kind of uh, open air speaker experience. Like if he was playing speakers off of his phone, I couldn't even hear that. He turned on the music, or it was actually uh, it was a, like a brook where there was a little bit of crickling of water and stuff like And I started to hear that right away. It didn't even have to lock on my face. I was standing in front of it and I was like, wow. Okay, so he changed that. And I told him, do me a favor, I need to see something where it plays games. Now, the game experience was a little bit different. There was still, because you could still technically hear what's going around. So the audio wasn't as good as when he was playing just a regular movie. But when I started to listen to the audio with Call of Duty, he was playing a, a clip from uh, Vanguard. Um, I can appreciate having that type of experience with the fact that I was able to actually be on the camera. Uh, I mean, basically still be able to talk to him about it. And the moment he and I switched spaces, I lost all audio performance. He could hear everything and I couldn't hear it. So it's very much a, a future tech. And the goal for them is that they're going to try to do that where it actually works on two people. So where the system can actually lock in, the right speaker goes to one person, the left speaker goes to the left one. 
And they're also trying to work it so that they're able to give it so that, and just say we want to watch a movie together and I want to watch it in French, you want to watch it in English, or you want to watch it in Arabic, whichever language you want, as long as the audio track is supported, you're able to actually watch the movie in your own native language or a language that you prefer, sitting side by side with your buddy and still enjoying the movie at the same time. As you can imagine, the video doesn't need to change, it's the audio track that needs to change. So that's where it really becomes very functional. Um, and of course, it integrates right now with Alexa. They're saying they're working on trying to get it integrated with the assistant as well as uh, you know, uh, Siri and so on. But it's mostly intended to be right now uh, a solution for audio where you don't need to necessarily have something on your ear so you don't have ear fatigue or condensation if you're wearing headphones and so on for an extended amount of time. So really, really nice. Um, Okay, so here, Finn Jacobs is jumping in and say, um, it's very wide, but I don't like the distortions after the edges. You could definitely see that. So let's switch it here. I think you're talking about, yeah, this one. You could see a little bit of warp distortions. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna take the comment away just real quick, Finn, so you could, you could reference it. So you could definitely see a little bit of distortions on the edges here. It's, I mean, it is an ultra wide, obviously. It's, they're gonna try to do some uh, corrections in there. Uh, good morning, Marilyn, hope you're doing well. Jimmy, again. Uh, I wonder how similar, how similar the specs of the 10 Pro will be compared to, hold on, let me go back, uh, will be compared to, uh, to the recently announced GT2 Pro. So the GT2 Pro, and uh, I mean, if, we, if we're thinking about the fact of basically, you know, um, uh, parent companies and so on, at the end of the day, yeah, they're all part of basically a BBK group. And obviously I'm dropping things on the floor, but the difference between here and what we get is OnePlus is pretty much sticking to what they're known for when it comes to cameras. Their, their collaboration is with Hasselblad. So even if they use similar sensors, the experience is gonna be very different because of the color tuning and because of the profiles that they're building into it. So I don't think there'll be that, something where we can say basically, well, this is exactly the same. It's still gonna have its own flavor, the same way Oppo's gonna have their own flavor with the Dimensity 9000 on their cameras. And even though they may have similar lenses, it, again, it's gonna be something that we're gonna to have to see how it performs. Um, I'm actually very excited, especially with the announcement with the Realme GT, especially the GT2 Neo. Um, with the Dragon Ball edition that I'm still trying to get my hands on one of them. So it's one of those things that I, I really have to say that they're hitting it out of the park and Realme is definitely putting the foot to the, basically putting the pedal to the metal there and they're just definitely going full bore on that one. I'm really appreciative of that. Uh, but I think it's, they're still gonna have their own unique experiences. Um, my, hey, Rolando, hope you're doing well, man. Uh, the next stock products are looking great, absolutely, man. I just pushed out a reel this morning on the main channel um, and I pushed that same video last week, uh, last night, I think, um, over on Instagram. I've been trying to keep them, keep Instagram reels and shorts running at the same time. So for the most part, if you've seen them, uh, again, I appreciate the support on that one. And uh, Ronaldo and I had a chance to hang out and um, I won't share the video, but uh, uh, he, t he taught me how to play uh, some, well, he, he taught me how to actually swing uh, golf. We, uh, we had a, a, a little bit of a, uh, I would say an excursion with TCL during the week while we were here. Um, and then they were doing basically top golf here uh, off the strip where you got a chance to basically, it's a driving range and you get to practice shooting uh, or basically, uh, you know, playing, uh, hitting some balls in there. And overall, uh, yeah, Rolando had way more experience on my, on that. So appreciate that, man. And I'm, um, I'm happy to see you in the chat and hope you're doing well. And um, yeah, again, uh, Greg, of course, as always, uh, <laughs> Matt's do some work. Uh, Matt's jumping in, says, like, I'm at work, but just popping in to see how you all are doing. Thank you very much, man. Thanks, man. Um, so let me show you actually a couple more pictures. Uh, now that we have some conversations going on, uh, I wanted to just zoom in a little bit on that picture. You can see the edges. Uh, they sent me the native files, so I'm actually looking. These are not streaming. These are actually on my PC. You can definitely see the images. It's not super bad. You could see the warping a little bit. 
but overall, the clarity, the image clarity, and this is being that this was actually in a shadowed experience where the light is focused on the center. You can definitely see a lot of the detail in here. But again, I'd love to be able to take some of those images myself so that we can see how it works. Let me see if I can bring up another sample. So here, this is a sample of an ultra wide at 110 degrees. So let's just bring that in here. Bum bum. Okay, so we have a couple of shots here shot at the 110. You can see the title of the, the file that you have in here. So So this is ultra. Okay, now now we're back. Okay, Wi-Fi for the win. Let's bring that back here. And then this is the second image here again with 110 degrees. If we switch it over to the 250, let's go back here, uh, not the 250, the 150. And we're gonna jump back. And this is something that you can expect with the uh, the, the wider lens. You can see this, and I know this is again what, what Finn was talking about. The ocean is definitely not curving around her. This is definitely a distortion based on the ultra wide that we're using. Uh, but you can definitely see a little bit more, uh, kind of more of an action shot that they were trying to shoot for. The focus level is on the board. He's a little bit out of focus. Uh, again, they're, they're sending, you know, sample shots of what they thought this would be something good for us to kind of enjoy uh, looking. And uh, there's a, also the fisheye experience, it seems like. So we can definitely look into this. Uh, again, at the 150 degrees with another one uh, focused more on the camera. And I'm not sure how that shot. Yeah, same person, different lenses, different shots. Uh, it definitely looks, I guess it was... It was only four seconds. It was, yeah, it, I disabled, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, the the VPN because I thought that's what was going to cause me all the, all the problems yesterday. But apparently, no, we're still going to have Wi-Fi problems as it always does. And I think um, Rolando said he got the same thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. Okay, so Rolando is holding me hostage. He has all the videos. I have a video of him, but his, his was so good that it's actually a compliment <laughs> to, to his skill level. It's not even something that I can actually just say that it looks bad. But I mean, I, realistically, there was other things as well. But um, so, yeah, so let's, let's, let's keep going with the shots. Why not? Since we already started the OnePlus uh, conversations. Um, one of the other images here. Uh, so they did shoot, send me a couple of videos. And I don't know how this is going to play. But um, there was a sample video, initial and uh, the movie, movie version. So let me see. Is this the one? Yeah, this is this is how the camera is. This is the camera UI interface that they sent us here. So we're going to have the lo uh, log HDR. Uh, there's basically an you know, aperture, you know, the, uh, the ISO here, resetting the video stop, and you can go ultra wide standard and uh, jump in. I'm not sure if this is the tele, this is actually digital or actual. We'll have to see how that goes. But the sample they uh, they sent us here was this video. This is this would be something that you shoot, let's say, in log on your camera using the Hasselblad option. So you notice how it looks. It's a little bit, um, uh, actually, you know what? Let me see there. I said I say what it looks, but I didn't show it to you. So let's let's start the video real quick from the beginning, and let's do full screen on that one. So this is a this is what the video would typically look like from there. Um, and what essentially is you shoot it in log. You notice the colors are a little bit muted. It's not very bright. You'll still see the colors showing in the background. That is mostly because those are just very very strong lights. So let's go and open it. Get out of the. Hold on. Yeah, we're going to jump back here, you know, let's jump back out here. And then let me show you the video, the other video that they sent that basically is what it would look like once they process it through S-Log here. So uh, let me just do it here. And I just realized that it opened in the wrong file because this is a different layer. So here, this would be this would be basically how the video would look like once it's processed. You could definitely get a little bit more that dramatic scene that they're trying to shoot for. And of course, all of this is done in your editor, and that's why you shoot in log, so that you have all of that data to be able to produce all that type of content, all those videos kind of shot 
uh, in that really good resolution there. So again, a lot of capabilities, a lot of, a lot of things that basically at least right now OnePlus is touting as the new capabilities that we're going to be able to see. Not necessarily saying that this is not something you could do with the, with the OnePlus 9 Pro, but we'll have to see. And then, and of course, a few more pictures here. Sorry, let's just jump back in here. Uh, these are more colored images. Um, again, these are stock images performed. Uh, and you can definitely see here the, the color filter that they have, the color ambience here, the stop motion, the, the beach, a little bit better sunset images and so on. So you can definitely see the cameras are, at least they're promising us some great cameras. Um, let me see here. Let me jump right back, bring that back in here. And I think there's one more sample. Um, there's raw pro mode, but I don't think this is something you can definitely appreciate on, <laughs> on video. It's more intended to be, oh, so here. Um, let's bring this one back. So here. So this one is raw plus sky edited, and you can definitely see the edit in there. And then you can, oh, let's see, bring it here. So you can bring in a little bit more, a little bit more haze. This is the haze that was in there. You can take that out. So here's the original image. They bring in a little bit of edit, a little bit more to bring in the, uh, the actual beach back in there. And of course, you can bring in more focus on the sky. So depending on what f format you want, you can definitely edit it and get it in to be in the right format. So uh, again, a lot of things promised. The design looks, some people are liking it, some people are not. I actually kind of like how the design looks like. It's unique. The camera bump is there. Uh, the, uh, I think it was it the, uh, the P2D 50T. I think I, I, I explained that in the video that we posted originally. There was a little moniker on the back of it. He's just talking about basically a second generation Hasselblad camera setup. Uh, and the 50T basically, uh, 50 megapixel, the strongest sensor that we have in there is the 50 megapixel. And of course it's a triple camera setup. So a lot of things going on in there. Um, some say pro mode and raw. Uh, my, Sony, uh, my Sony sense are tingling. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome, Aditya. I hope you're doing well. It is actually more than likely it's going to be something that they're trying to shoot and provide more options. And I think that's really where the Hasselblad comes in. Uh, it's more trying to give them that, that the tuning, the tuning that I think OnePlus has always been trying to find that they've always uh, improved year over year, but they have never kind of found that right sweet spot. Um, Color OS coming in brings in some benefits uh, to, the back, to the back end as far as the camera performance but then you get Hasselblad to kind of get the tuning run correctly. So those are some of the things I feel like we're all always looking into. We'll go ahead and hydrate. Oh man. But yeah, so that, that was some of the main things um, as far as OnePlus. Uh, so the launch event is gonna happen in China. So, so it means basically it's gonna be launching in China first to the Asian market. No word yet on when it's gonna come to the Europe, to the Middle East, or even to the US as far as uh, national hardware. For the most part, what we see in China as far as the launch on the hardware side is pretty much what we already know, and it is going to stay the same. But more than likely, one thing we need to keep in mind is the launch in China means it's launching on hydrogen, uh, well, sorry, on color OS, because that's what happened to uh, OnePlus devices as of mid last year. Hydrogen OS was discontinued, so now we have color OS, and that's going to be basically the main operating system there. So for anybody thinking of importing it, just keep in mind you're importing a device that runs a, sof a software that is intended for the Chinese market. More than likely, once official ROMs are available, there's going to be options and ways of trying to do things to that. But at the end of the day, right now, what they're launching is intended for that market. And I would imagine that it shouldn't be too far along by th before the US and, and EU and most of the other markets get it, or even India, uh, as far as getting the OnePlus line of devices. And keep in mind, they still haven't mentioned the OnePlus 10. They just, this is the OnePlus 10 Pro. So the 10s can still be a different version. Um, will we have a, a OnePlus 10R, kind of like what we had last year with the 9R? Those are also other devices that we need to keep in mind what would potentially be the coming up. I think at the end of the day is this. This year, it's going to be 
literally the first device coming out officially with ColorOS uh, as the base for OnePlus, for Oxygen OS 12 on Android 12. And what I mean by that is, this is a device that was designed and built with this, not upgraded to it. So OnePlus 9 Pro, 9, and all the other devices that are getting and uh, Oxygen OS 12, it's going to be a shock. But for somebody buying this device, they're not going to know any different. So what, whatever and whomever ends up basically experiencing OnePlus from now on is going to basically be in that ecosystem moving on. So we, we really should understand that it's not a bad transition. It's just the evolution of what OnePlus has ever been working towards. It's just a better synergy with Opal, which is basically what we have at this point. Um, so that was one of the things. Um, let me see if I can bring some more images. I want to show you some more uh, some more pictures of some of the other stuff that I saw. Yesterday I stopped at, so let me close these windows. I have like a thousand windows open on the right side here. Of course, it opens. Oh, again, I just closed uh, Google Photos. Not what I was trying to do. So let's open this. Sorry, I'm going to bring back Google Photos one more time. Um, I ran into uh, a company that I've worked with in the past. And by the way, I, I have a setup on my laptop where I have a second monitor. It's made by, uh, by Mobile Pixels, and it's a great experience if you ever have a laptop that you want to go places for working, for editing content, or even just being in the, in the business. Uh, first and foremost, okay, hold on, let me just bring that back in here. I'm going to bring it back to the side, and I'm going to bring you guys back <laughs> to the four screen. And, oh my God, where is it? Okay, so this is what I want to show you this thing. And if you, if you have or have not seen this, this was at the Sony booth. This car, this actual car, is it was at the Sony booth. So it is a, uh, a design, a concept car. There's two versions of it, one on the end, one on the other side. And hold on, let me see if I can bring the other image here. Sorry, there's some images there I cannot share yet. And I, I do apologize, not that I'm trying to hide them, but I just want to be, <laughs> be frank with you guys, because if it slips, uh, that could change a little bit of uh, issues for me. Uh, okay, I thought I took a picture of it uh, on the inside. I guess I didn't. Uh, but one of the other things that I did take here, okay, so I want to show you guys this guy, is this picture. So this is by Mobile Pixels, the, the same people that made the display for my laptop. And it's, they're coming up with a foldable, kind of like a, a clamshell style display for your PC. So this entire configuration that we have in here folds. So here, one, nope, that's, eh, we're back into, we're back into that area. So here, it opens up on this side, and let me see, I was taking some, nope, and I don't have that. So it's on a different phone. I think it's on a separate account. That's, that's, that's the part where when you take pictures and you don't realize which camera, which role uh, that you were shooting for. Because I was using many, many devices, and I think it may have not updated, actually, or uploaded to the server. Let me see here. If I can switch accounts, if I can bring it up, I want to show you guys this video because it looks really, really, really cool. See, yeah, ta -ta -ta. Oh, no, that's, then, no, I don't have that one. Oh, no, here it is, here it is. Okay, so I'm going to download this video because I think it'll, it's not going to play well when I, don't, when I play it straight off the, off the, uh, the bandwidth that we're in here. It's a, it's a 100 megabyte file. It's a cool, cool video, and you guys are going to just really, I hope you guys geek out as much as I am uh, on this one. Uh, uh, yeah, so Aditya is asking, is, is this a Sony car? And yeah, <laughs> it was a Sony car. It was, it was crazy, the... Um, it was two versions of it, it's a, and I don't know if it's going to be released in the U.S. or if it's actually being released. Uh, they didn't have any information available yet. They said it was just, it's part of the showcase. Uh, 60, almost 100. Da, da, da. Let me bring up this folder. It, it's just a lot of things going on. So downloads. Okay, we're still downloading almost 85, 86, 90 megs. Okay, 99, 92. 
hope you're doing well, man. Good night, good night, man. Hope to take it easy. And it, okay, so here it is. So I'm gonna bring up the video and let's show you guys what it looks like. Okay, so this is called the Geminos and it's, it's a display that basically folds and it just bends entirely from the top. Although I'm, I'm hoping I got the actual, there's a camera built in at the top of it. And then I, and apparently I downloaded the wrong video. I thought I was downloading the right one. Either way, um, it, is, it is one of those things that you have to kind of appreciate when you see it. Um, interesting concept. Uh, I don't know if it's something that a lot of people would love to be able to put away their monitor because it kind of like closes down and it becomes a flat surface just sitting where it, where it needs to be. Um, so it is definitely very, very good. Um, overall, something interesting. There was a lot of other things also kind of like little uh, text. Um, I went to the Samsung booth, of course, I could, as you can imagine, and I checked out the Arc. Um, the Arc monitor is great, and I think it's a great concept for, for people that need that much real estate and that need people behind them to see what they're doing. I think as a monitor that goes from where normally you're sitting at a table, so it goes slightly below your, uh, your view site to the bottom, and then it goes above. It's something that you have to be used to. Now for me, I do use dual monitors at home. I, I need to replace my monitor at the top. It broke before I came here. but. It's something that you have to be used to. And, and most of the time, are you ever going to be basically sitting there where you're always doing this to kind of like find where your content is? Now, add that to the fact that this monitor can go actually otherwise, where it's basically so you can go either horizontal or vertical. OK, so the vertical experience curves even closer to you, which means you have to actually kind of look down to see the bottom part. And then to see the top part, you're looking straight up and it actually curves above you. That begs for it to be a more of a distant experience, not necessarily a desktop experience. So it looks cool, but I, 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 I think realistically from a functional standpoint, it's just too, it, it's not designed for more of a, a gamer at home. It's really going to be something for more to be showcased. So no pricing, no information on that, but I can tell at least from one part. If the Odyssey Neo G9 Neo is running at about $2,500, right? That came out in 2021. And that's kind of half of what this display is. So if you kind of slice the display halfway, you get two G9s. And that's really roughly the same point of uh, the, the view, the viewpoint is a thousand arc view, which essentially is supposed to mimic the curvature of your eyes of our eyes. So essentially, if you're able to see something in front of you and go to the side, that's roughly the arc of what this display is supposed to cover. So you still have peripheral vision when you're playing. So great for gaming. But I'll, I'll tell you this, most of the time when I was doing my editing, I always had my viewfinder at the top monitor, which was a smaller uh, curved display at a 34 inch as opposed to having it at the bottom, which kind of makes it a little bit more, uh, it's just too much, the, the width is just too much to work right and left. Um, so at the end of the day, I enjoyed looking at it. Let me see if I can bring you guys some images here because also, that also looks crazy, crazy good. And that is not in this account. Let's switch back to the main account. This is what happens when you have to switch between multiple, multiple, multiple accounts. And I took a lot of pictures. I, I, I really worked that Vivo X70 Pro Plus uh, to, to the bone on that one. Uh, where are we here? So here, that was, uh, okay. Let me bring that back. And so here, that's, this is, this is basically, I mean, and keep in mind, I was standing about eight to 10 feet away from them. This is not up close. Okay. The camera brings it up a little bit closer, but the reality of the matter is that's an entire arc of your face. And then see how much higher it goes. Like if you're sitting here, your face is sitting at this level, this is going way above. So any details sitting there because your, your tabs are going to open up in that format. Um, even if you split your display, even if you're using it in the, in the, in the quadrant, which they allow us to do, it's not a very functional display uh, in that sense. Let me see if I can bring up another one um, here. This is a video. I don't know. It's not a, 
it's always going to stream badly. There's just not a good way to show it. Let's see here. This one's 13 seconds. Hopefully it comes up correctly. So you could see a little bit better. Yeah, right. I mean, you could see definitely how the display looks like. Uh, and this is just the arc. So look how this is the gentleman standing in front of it, how much he has to be able to go across from it to actually show up as just the actual display. So you could see the, the big difference between the two. So that was one of the things that they announced. Uh, some of the other things that they talked about here, obviously, as you can imagine, is the S21 FE. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit mixed on that. I'm a little bit mixed with the S21 FE. I, I think it's, I'm going to say that I think it's overpriced for what it, when, it, when it came out. Also, I feel like it should be a little bit more competitive being that it is technically a year-old flagship um, with a more uh, budget-friendly experience. It should have come out in 2021. It should have been before the Christmas season. This is, this is when this would have made perfect sense. Now that it's been out and there is a Pixel at $599 that can directly compete with it, I feel like this is just doesn't make for me from a value standpoint is how do you how do you explain the S21 FE and make sense out of that where Samsung's going to be releasing the uh, the new S22 in in matters of weeks maybe a month at the most we'll hear about the S22 IFA's around the corner and the reality of the matter is even if they have they have their own unpacked and be it virtual and all of that at the end of the day it's still going to be the same right the S21 FE is late and the features that they offer here, the, the color palette that we have in here obviously are very unique. I think they're probably going to do some heavy, heavy implementation of some promotions for trade-ins, but it's still not going to be something that I feel like it's going to be very big in the sense of what you want to get people to buy, to, to buy in and be into that. So overall, I think it's a good experience. I think it's something that is, uh, you know, it's a little bit late. Uh, the colors that we have in here, let me see, we're back at the display. What else do we have in there? I think there was still, oh yeah, of course. And then there's still the freestyle um, uh, display that they talked about in there. So S21 FE, I'll try to put a, a little video on my uh, kind of like su summary, summarizing my opinions on this. I did shoot some B-roll for that, um, but I want to shoot that main A-roll back at the studio when I get back in there. Just kind of get this a little bit, uh, talking a little bit more about them. Yeah. Um, Finn, Finn's jumping in with that one. Um, uh, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> uh, yeah, they kind of shot themselves in the, uh, in the foot on that one with the price and release date. It's too expensive and it's too late. And I don't know what the direction with it is. Is it more because they had the hardware and they need to release it? Um, it I don't know. And I really don't also know why it was delayed. Like I wanted this to be, again, they would have done way better with this if it was priced a little bit lower and more competitive with the, uh, with the Pixel and released right before the holidays. Because I think that's when people are gonna buy it. And now I think most people are seriously just sitting and getting their bills from the Christmas holiday shopping and all of that. And they're probably not going to want to fork out another money, another you know, substantial amount of money for a device that I feel like will be obsolete in about a month or so. I mean, and I'm not saying it's, it's not, it doesn't have you know, any kind of buyers in there. It, with some good promotions, and I'm sure the carriers will have it, there could still be able to be a possibility for them to move some hardware. But I feel like a lot of people like us, if we're looking to upgrade and we're wanting to get it, we know Samsung releases their next flagships at the beginning of the year, roughly February, March. Why would we want to be able, why would we want to dunk that much money on, uh, on FE? You know what I mean? But we'll have to see. We'll see also with uh, other markets. I'm only speaking for the U.S. markets. So the other markets may actually have different pricing. Now, the other thing that they didn't hear, uh, you know, let me see here. Their Flex laptops are really, really good. Uh, you know, actually, I didn't get a chance to check out the Flex laptop. Now I'm, I'm kicking myself for that. I walked their entire booth, and it was mostly, like, seriously, if you could, if you could see the, the booth itself, uh, it's structured around, so they had the Fold 3, they had the Bespoke Edition, which is obviously they updated that during their uh, keynote announcement. So now almost everything that they produce has a, 
a color palette option for it. So you can colorize your, your, your refrigerator to, to match your vacuum cleaner, to match your phone, to match your fold, and a whole bunch of different things. But yeah, some of those things are also very, very different. Um, Michael Corrigan is saying this, Samsung's been cheap uh, with RAM on the entry level models. Apparently, even ultra models will, uh, will start at 8128. It's, it, don't understand why. I don't. I do not understand why they they would do an eight one twenty eight option on the ultra, where they're trying to get you to use their system, their benefit, their new camera system, to its fullest. Some of my biggest problems on most of my devices I get, if I get the one twenty eight model, is that I shoot in four K sixty. All of my B roll that I shot this time when I was here is at four K sixty frames per second, because you want to have the flexibility when you shoot that content at a high frame rate and that uh, that high quality. Even if you produce your content at 1080p, you're still using a better source than when you start with the 1080p footage. If you do 1080p 30, you're really limiting yourself. If your phone supports it and it does a decent job of 4K 60, shoot 4K 60 all the time. So do that and then give me you know, 128 gigs of internal storage after I set up my stuff, I download a few games. I was actually looking over on my Pixel and I ended up uninstalling Genshin because Genshin is 15 gigabytes out of my 128 and that that was a big chunk of space so I uninstalled Genshin I'm just not going to play it on that phone I'll play it on something else so for me it was just something that I wanted to kind of just enjoy and and just appreciate so 8128 yeah should not exist um jumping back yeah yeah I think people uh that rely on carriers uh, on the carrier stories uh some will be uh, some will buy this phone but probably not enthusiasts who know to compare the S20 FE to the S21 FE and then of course the S22 it's just a tough it's a tough buy it's a tough buy because it just doesn't make sense realistically if you look at the numbers um I think this is this is why it was not meant to be a big launch event they kind of snuck it in if you kind of noticed it just beca became an announcement uh, videos dropped and of course there'll be more videos I'm assuming next week since technically I think it's supposed to start becoming available on the 11th which means more than likely the 10th is when people are going to start dropping their reviews so again keep in mind it just this is more like of a, a timeline from what Samsung does um, yeah I, I don't know how to explain it I feel weird just saying that you know I'm not saying it's a bad phone I just think it's, it just came out at the wrong time for the wrong price kind of like how Finn said it it summarizes very very nicely Russ is um, the FE edition should be a throwback to the previous Samsungs, not a budget. For the original FE was a best, uh, if you ask me, uh, about what was the second generation of S20 FE. Absolutely. I think fan edition should not be a budget phone. It's supposed to be the best, but you're getting, it, you're getting last year's flagship for better price. How many more of these devices can they make? Because the 888 is no longer being manufactured, so I don't know how much Samsung is sitting on as far as having that much uh, SOCs to be able to put into the S20, S21 FE. But it is really not fit, fitting in what the FE is supposed to stand for. I mean, remember, the first FE was really a rebranded um, Note 7. So the F Note 7, if you remember, with the debacle with the battery, the whole issue going on. And then what happens is Samsung ended up fixing all of those hardware because they've already made so much and they've recalled so many. By fixing them and re-releasing them as, an S uh, as a Note 7 FE, they released that fan edition. And then, of course, we waited much later and then we started to see the, Note the S20 FE that I felt like kind of made the right statement. It came right after the Note 20 Ultra. It was much lower in price, and it was intended to basically be the best of the experiences that we got on the S20 and the S20 Ultras and so on. Not Ultra, but the S20 and the S20 Plus at a much better price. So this is why it makes it a, it's a slightly tough conversation or story for them to, uh, to bring in. Um, and Rustic, of course, they should have an one, a one terabyte, and they do have a one terabyte option. The problem with the one terabyte is it's 1,500 bucks. That phone literally becomes $300 shy of a foldable. 
that doesn't have 500 gigs of internal storage. So it's, it, it's a conversation. The way Samsung did it last year with the S21, they dropped the price a little bit. They, so they dropped the price by $50 off of what they originally started the S20, S20 Ultra. And that's why, and they started it with the S21 um, 128. To go to the 256, it was an extra 50 bucks. But then to go to the 512, it was an extra couple of hundred. So the jump scale was not equal in steps uh, as far as doubling the, uh, the storage. So from 128 to 256, you go 100, but then you go 50. And then if you go from 256 to 512, that was a couple of hundred, and you're already into the $1,500 price tag. So it's always, an, again, kind of like a, a weird uh, juggling act between what Samsung wants to do. I'm sure the story for the S22 Ultra is not going to be very, uh, very, uh, very unique. It'll be a repetition of what we had last year. It's a series of compromises, a series of tailored experiences to what they feel like. A really, really amazing thing would be if they bring back the SD card, being that they skipped the Note 20, uh, the Note 21 Ultra, or the Note 21 series, and they went straight to the S22. And if you guys seen it, uh, and I'm sure it's not very, uh, it's not hard to understand. Samsung didn't release a Note. So you have a group of people that typically upgrade or they go for the latest note, maybe yearly, maybe every two years, that had nothing to go for in 2021. You know, the S22 Ultra has a pen input, the note, uh, the, the uh, foldable did have one, but none of them really gave you that same experience, right? That, that note experience, if you're used to having the, the pen in the silo and so on, with all the rumors that we're seeing, the Note S, uh, sorry, the S22 Ultra slash the Note 21 Ultra is going to be the note for this year. So if we get all the people that love the S series and all the people that love the Note series, it should show better sales for them. I'm hoping that they use this as a smart launching pad and bring some features back, understanding that people that have high performance devices that purchase devices at that price want the flexibility, want extend expandable storage, not to access it all the time, but to offload the content off the main storage. You do not need your entire mu uh, music library and pictures and video library on your main storage all the time. This is thing that, something that you access every once in a while. You shoot your content on the main storage and you move it over. That's the flexibility. I think a lot of people misunderstand when we say we want expandable storage because we want to run our stuff off of it. It's really more about offloading the storage so that you're not running out of space and having uninstall apps. But let me see here real quick. I think I, I missed a few here. Um, okay, I think DTN and Jimmy are talking back and forth. Sorry, let me see here. Uh, TK, the new Tab S8, any word on the new Tab S series? I'm, uh, am I maybe one of the, one of the few that excited me the most, especially um, other OEMs are now coming up with their own tablets. So I'm a big fan of the Tab. I have the S7 Plus from them. And it's, it's one, it's a tablet that I use on a daily basis. Every time I shoot video, that's the tablet I'm using to connect to. I'm also, I use it to be able to do uh, some work off when I'm outside of the office. It's a very, very flexible, very beautiful display, and definitely the most premium Android tablet we have on the market right now. It's sad, but it is. I think the S20, uh, the S8 series is definitely going to be much better. It's hopefully uh, more affordable, but we'll, I want to see some improvements on the, on the pen input. I like the pen configuration that they had on the, on the S7 Plus. But I feel like it's if it sits there so and you're not using it the pen over time it will drain the battery on the tablet overall so you have to take the pen off and remember to do so i learned that the hard way because i don't have my tablet connected all the time so no word on that one yet i'm imagining it'll be closer to the s22 i think this is going to be a much bigger unpacked although i heard it's going to be virtual it's still going to be something that we can definitely pay attention to there uh, Michael jumping in, uh, honestly, maybe the best part about expandable storage is it saves money at, at some point, at that point of purchase. Um, you don't feel obligated to buy the higher end storage variant if you can't add a, basically an SD card. 
Absolutely. I think that's that's one of the biggest things. And I think Samsung realized that there is a money there is a, a form of way of making money from us by making us buy more storage. By taking away the SD card, meaning allowing more people to buy lower SKUs by you know smaller storage capacities. They're wanting us now. That's what they did with the S22 or the S20 the S21 early in the year. They gave it a 50 bucks bump to get you from 128 to 256, made it keen it. So you're like, well, that's about the much how much money I would probably pay for a good SD card that would give me more storage. But you weren't getting a 256 SD card. You weren't getting a 512 or a terabyte SD card. You were getting 128 of extra additional storage of internal storage. That works to a certain point. You can't go beyond it. And if you want to be on it, you have to buy a whole new device. There's just no other option. Uh, you, you can use external storage with USB-C connectivity, but that's not connected all the time. There's flexibility issues there. But at the end of the day, I think it's more about how much money they can squeeze out of a sale. The charger's not on the box, but you can still buy the charger as you're checking out straight off their website because it's part of the options because they know you don't have one. Um, if they keep changing the charging technology, it always ends up being the same situation. You need the new charger to get the faster charging speeds. Um, it's just, it's always a game. Uh, you know, you say one thing on one end, we're trying to be more green and trying to be more mindful of technologies, but then you switch it over to the other side and then you're like, but you need to pay to get all those extra things that we said that it's green on the first one. So it, it's a catch-22. We have to always understand and see the picture from the, from the, from the entire, from both sides. Um, and same thing, yeah, Maryland's kind of like, you know, I miss having expandable storage on my phone. And it's, it is a rarity now. It's almost as rare as seeing a headphone jack. This is why, you know, when we look at Sony devices like the, uh, you know, the um, One Mark III um, or even the Xperia Pro-i or the Five Mark III, those devices have what we need. Expandable storage, headphone jacks. It comes with a charger in the box. All of the things that flagship should have. The One Mark III has a 4K 120Hz refresh rate display. No other phone on the market other than other Sony's devices have had 4K, device, 4K displays at that clarity and at high refresh rate. Sharp does put out some, uh, some devices, but at least in the U.S. market, Sony is pretty much king on that one. Um, Russ basically, uh, uh, till today, TK, I still have music on my SD card. I don't put it on my internal storage, so the SD card is for me is a must. Exactly, exactly. Streaming services have have amazing capabilities and they can do so much. But as I learned on my route, on my drive over from, from Los Angeles over to Vegas, you go through some areas where there's no internet access. And believe it or not, my car does not have internal storage to download music. Um, keep, uh, other things is, uh, you know, if you want to offload things, you have to pay for a subscription. SD cards is always going to be a thing, especially for if you own your own content and you want to be able to enjoy it wherever you are. Uh, you can download some things in there, of course, but I'm thinking it's just at the end of the day, it's a function that needs to stay. There is no reason why it needs to disappear. Uh, we're not, we, we don't have other solutions, you know, like what I would love to see is this, seriously, I, I would love to see more companies innovate in the case space where they provide us a case that may be a slightly thicker case, and I'm not saying like super thick, but has maybe a little, you know, like a thousand milliampere extra battery power in there, uh, an SD card slot option. They used to be options like that in the past. And then that gives us the ability of having it connected via USB-C all the time. So whenever we need access to our SD card, we turn on the case on the back, transfer our content to it, and then turn it off. And that way we don't have to worry about it. And at that point, it becomes, it, it becomes case or device agnostic because they can make the same technology for multiple companies. So if somebody's listening and they can make something like this, please take this and make this a product because it is something that I feel like we can all benefit from. Um, what else were you asking me here? 
Aditya, okay, uh, Aditya is mentioning here is not to mention that 4K60 eats up space. Adding 4K60 and 120 frames per second at 4K support and still having 128 gigs of internal storage is a non of non-expandable storage is just a bad experience for any consumer because you just, you, when you hit that limit and you realize what you have to do to get out of where you are and how much money it's going to cost you because your phone won't sell for the same price you bought it. You lost money on that part. If you can't return it anymore because it's been some time before you filled up the 128 and you're out of that return policy window, you're kind of stuck. And you're going to have to keep uploading, uploading, and then basically, you know, buying Samsung storage or buying, you know, Google storage and drives. It's just, it, it's ways of getting more services out of it. And I, I don't, I really, I, I just, we need to find a solution just to kind of, even for enthusiasts, for people that appreciate that. Um, TK, if you will be testing the S22 Ultra with the 45 watt charging, can you also do? Uh, can you also add it if a third party charger works? Absolutely, and yeah, I have the 45 watt charger from the S22 Ultra when the last time they made it available. So I still have the charger, and that would be my goal is to make sure that what other options are available. Uh, especially, I'm assuming, I'm assuming gang chargers should also provide us the same experience, uh, because I think that's what I was able to do with the S20 Ultra back then. But we'll definitely double check. Um, it seems that the current trend to ask more for their phones uh, and give us less. Uh, sad to see that this is the way the market is heading towards it. Yeah. Every time we look at a device, every time we look at a company coming in, with the exception of a, like a very small few, it actually ends up becoming this. We, we're asking for more money for less things and then asking for basically uh, more, more ways for you to basically pay for different things. The boxes are smaller, yes, but then you're sending me an entirely separate box with that charger, with an entire separate shipping charge, how is that saving the world? How is that saving, uh, creating a zero, you know, like a, a, a zero carbon neutral, uh, basically footprint on the from a company? Because they're, they're remember, they're talking to it from their standpoint, from their point of view, from Samsung. Since Samsung doesn't create the box, Samsung doesn't ship the actual product, so they're not a shipping company. They're not a plastic company. From their standpoint, yes, their footprint is lower, but they're causing the other industries to offload some of that content. So it's something that we have to keep in mind. Um, they showcased at their, um, I think on their on stage that a lot of their new TVs for 2022 are all going to be coming in cardboard, like recycled cardboard content. Uh, some devices are going to have some recycled materials. That's the step in the right direction. But again, you're selling me a phone that doesn't include a charger. At some point, you're going to start removing things out of uh, TV boxes that people are going to have to go buy. Again, what, what's, what is the end goal? Do, do we just, at that point, sometime we'll just get a display and we'll have to assemble our phone manually because it's not sold as one assembly? Um, <laughs> so uh, yes, the Tesla does have a expandable storage USB slot and we use that drive. Uh, it's the 128 gig drive that we can use. Uh, to store the video from the uh, like the security camera now you can load some content on it But you can download content to it if that makes sense So you can load the content from home and you can have some of your music library running on that um, And or you can connect uh, additional drives like a USB drive or something like that to one of the other ports uh, The but the thumb drive that they typically come with is 128 gig. I want to say Samsung drive uh, and that drive, uh, or SanDisk, I think it might be SanDisk, uh, that sits in the glove box and that's purely for the sentry mode. So yeah, they do have an SD card, not an SD card, but an expandable storage. A case that adds features, whoa, that's gonna lie, I'm 100% down with experimenting on that. Absolutely, man. I'm telling you, there are, there are ways of bringing this back. There's, it's not an entire impossibility. We have a USB-C connector, which is like, thank God it's the standard format now. Um, 
a case that uses that and it literally basically that just has a like a almost like a u connector that comes straight from the case goes in and then gives you that access if you want it you turn it on you turn it off if you don't want it it may add like i said and this is why why i kept it to about a thousand milliampere worth of battery if you want to have functional uh, functionality in it uh, because then that becomes very very thin and it's not it's not going to add that much thickness uh, and hopefully that adds some of the benefits that we want we can even if they want to have a pro version of that that has a headphone jack that could be even a benefit so we'll have to see how things kind of go there uh, sebastian lobos hope you're doing well man um uh okay here so russ is jumping back uh the realme gt pro has some amazing cameras like 150 degree ultra wide so definitely is very similar uh they have a microscope like opal find like the opal find x3 pro which again i was a very big fan of that one hopefully the processor from uh, the find x has an has an improved one so the Find X4 is going to have the Dimensity 9000. Now, the Dimensity 9000, for the most part, if we look at it just on paper, it's a very, very similar experience to um, the what we see with the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. They're both Cortex-X2. They're both running at a 3 gigahertz, roughly, experience. One may overclock to maybe 0.1, nothing noticeable on the performance. Where the biggest difference is going to end up becoming is where the Adreno over the Mali GPU is going to be performing, uh, depending on how that experience is going to be going on there. Also. The, uh, the Ace, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 only support LPDDR5, where uh, the, uh, the Dimensity 3000, because they worked with the manufacturer of the RAM, they can go to LPDDR5X, faster RAM support on the D, uh, Dimensity 9000. So there is potentially some things that can actually be working very well for the Find X4 Pro. To top it off, uh, what's it called? If I'm not mistaken, uh, during their innovation day, uh, Oppo announced that they developed their own NPU. So... There's going to be a lot of specialty tech inside of the Find X4 Pro over and above what's going on with uh, what we've seen with other devices. Even if they end up using the Dimensity 9000, they're not going to be able to get the same experience as what the Dimensity 9000 can do on a Find X4 Pro. So I think Find X4 Pro is going to be very much a unique experience or experiment from Oppo uh, to provide us that experience. And I'm sorry, I know I keep keeping that picture sitting there uh, as if it's a, it's a, it's you know, it's the picture we should be looking at the whole time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. Realme is, is definitely leveraging their relationship with uh, Oppo as well as what OnePlus is doing at this point. And I think we're need to see what, what the capabilities are going to be there. I'm excited to see what they offer. Uh, it is currently only available in China, so we need to wait for the international markets. I think we're, we're going to see more of a trend that more devices, more brand new devices are going to be launched in the Chinese market weeks, even months ahead of the international market, and which means it's just going to be something that we have to always wait and see how it actually changes and what modifications end up coming in on the international market version of that device. Uh, let me see here. Um, Ali, uh, um, Ali Kempt, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Hey, man, hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I tried five minutes of 4K and it was like four gigabytes plus range. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's crazy. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk to you guys, okay, hold on, let me add this one back, uh, was the freestyle so the freestyle was the other uh, announcement that they did at the at, i guess at, at ces because that's not really an unpacked and it's a 1080p portable projector that has some unique uh, characteristic on top of the fact that we can decorate them and make them look funny uh let me see here what else i had uh da, da, da. so yeah they had a base station that you can connect to, connect to it and then project directly onto the wall and you can see here it's sitting here it's projecting the video straight on the wall you can have this with you in a campsite um, there's different colors that they have optional uh, options from them there and one of the really cool things i saw from it was where it was used it with the conjunction of uh let me turn off the audio here because it's going to start where it's sounding weird 
uh, it's used with the conjunction with a light socket. So you screw it in into a light bulb and it actually power, has enough power to be able to run off of it. And this is projected straight on top of a table. So what you're seeing here with the exception of the silverware and a plate that's sitting right under these images of a plate are these light sockets and it's powered by it and it's directly projecting straight to the table two overlapping images and it actually it's decent I'm actually very interested to see how this can really make sense in the real world um, my only limitation my only kind of a reservation on this right now is not the form factor or the function it's that for the price that it's coming out which is close to about 800 900 bucks it's a 1080p projector I I understand you'd want to go with 1080p because it saves power it's easier to work it has a built-in speaker but I felt like for that price, Samsung could have innovated in one maybe for a 2K display the projector, something a little bit higher. Although even at 1080p, it still looks really nice. So if you're into the market, it is going to be available starting February. Uh, something that to keep in mind for for, quali for from Samsung at that time. Um, what else? What else was there that I wanted to share with you guys? Uh, da, da, da. You guys saw the one from Next Stop. We talked about those uh, about them as well. Let me see if I can share with you guys. Oh, and. Um, so, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but Sony is also going into the uh, drone business. So they announced this last year at CES. It's called the AirPeak. Um, and this is essentially a drone that can fully carry and, and handle a DSLR camera. So something like the a7 IV that I'm using right now to talk with you guys, uh, something like that you can actually not only have it mounted, flown, and controlled all by uh, obviously third party on the ground, but you're still getting some of the amaz most amazing footage. You can even control the zoom ring. This is how focused experience that they're talking about. So AirPeaks, no, no demos of that. Oops, no demos of that one on the show floor. Hopefully we're still connected and we didn't lose and I keep kicking it. Now we know why we don't have it in. Um, what else, what else? Let me see here. There's I think one more, <coughs> let me stick here. Oh man, okay, I, I gotta show you guys this one. Did I have a video of that one? Please tell me. Okay, so <laughs> you guys can see that. If you probably have, you probably saw this on some of the other content creators' site. Uh, BMW was showcasing a car that can literally change the color in the mid, like in split seconds. This car is actually in the middle of that change. You can see here the gray panels and the uh, kind of like white checkered spots, as well as the actual hubcaps. All of those have been basically, they go through a cycle, they go back and forth, back and forth. I'm editing the reel right now that should be coming out hopefully in the next hour or so after I'm done before we start heading back. Um, and it's going to be some, one of those experiences that you think you have to kind of experience yourself uh, to see. Of course, if you're looking for sodas, that's what I was trying to do after that. So that's what a car looks like the second before and it transitioned on to this point. It's it, seriously, I think this is, <laughs> we're, we're one step closer to having a transparent car. Imagine cars. If you've ever seen those shows where they always have like the invisibility mode, where basically cameras take the image from the other side of the uh, the other side of the actual object and then project it on reflective panels that can display that image and making it look like it's invisible, this is a step closer. So this is definitely something we could all appreciate. And then they also had something called the BMW Theater Screen, which all I can say is this: those displays that you see here, BMW found a way to mount those inside for the backseat drivers to have an immersive theater-like experience in the car crazy crazy tech let me see do i have a video <laughs> yeah so this is what it looks like inside of the car you guys can see that right there those are the back seat those are the front driver and the passenger side driver seats and that's how big that display powered by amazon alexa as well as bmw um and i think yeah so you could see it right there fire tv amazon um, all of the stuff that you can imagine it looks crazy it's just this is this is the fun part of ces you get to experience things at a very crazy level 
obviously things that will take forever to come out, but that BMW, I want that tech to, to not only succeed, but improve so that the next car or any, maybe the next two, two cars from now, I may be able to get a car that can literally disappear. Like I kick invisibility mode and I'm like, you're like, was that TK? Like, yeah, one of those. Um, let me see. Oh, Michael, uh, it's kind of cool that that future, ba- it, it is basically a, a site, like a little bit of a glimpse to the future. Um, yeah, the early, uh, the early return on the eighth, uh, the returns on the eighth gen one were, uh, worse, uh, horse, yeah, worrisome. Um, I think, uh, okay. Is that in the one video at least where they compared it to the 870, but I guess, um, I'll reserve judgment to see the devices that are released. The eight gen one, it isn't, sorry, I'll say this. The eight gen one is an improvement over the 888. Um, it is different than the 870 in the sense of the architecture. So there's a big difference between what we saw with the 870 because the 870 is based on the 865. Um, that's where we had the, uh, the modem and the, and the SOC separate from each other. There's also not as much optimizations. The triple ISP configuration came on with the, uh, the I think, 888 and the 8 Gen 1 continues that. So there are some basic differences or from, uh, fundamental differences, but the optimization for the 8 Gen 1 hasn't really been picked up yet. This is what happens when devices come out before the end of the year, before companies can start optimizing for them to get the full benefit of them. From what I saw during my testing session for about a couple of hours at, with Qualcomm over in Hawaii but during the tech summit, it actually does perform better, it, but it doesn't really necessarily handle heat as much as uh, better than what the 888 was uh, in a situation. I mean, both, both needed heat management. Uh, and from what we heard from, from Qualcomm is that they're providing the parameters, they're providing the resources to the OEMs to, uh, to build their devices with better heat management uh, systems to, hand, to handle the, uh, the, the dissipation of the heat from the 888 or the HN1. So when we get to that point, we need to see the different flavors. We need to see what Realme is bringing in, what, uh, what uh, OnePlus is going to be doing on theirs. All the information they shared with us, by the way, not one thing talked about gaming or uh, heat, heat concerns. So we'll have to see how that performs. And of course, I think the moment the phone is available in China, we're gonna start seeing some videos and people pushing out content on these things. So we'll have to see how that goes. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes out, but I'm also a little bit reserved on how they're gonna be managing things and how things are gonna be working on them uh, from there at that point. But thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about having Alexa in my car. Uh, this isn't the first place, Aditya. Uh, Amazon's been putting out, uh, there's a dash cam that has uh, Alexa built into it for some time. There are actually also some cars that have their navigation system based on uh, having the, uh, the Alexa ecosystem in there. So it's not the first time. And I think the way BMW is trying to do this is they built their UI to fit the Fire Stick uh, experience in there. They're going to be running it with 5G. It's really, so I'll say this, when I sat there and I was watching this movie, I did not feel like I was in a car. I felt like I was in a theater. The seats behind me have rumbling, uh, like they have a, I want to say like a force feedback responses, speakers behind me. There's a control on the armrest on the left. uh, Do me a favor. Don't waste too much time. In about an hour from now, before I get in the car, it's going to be, I'm going to release it on my reels first and then I'll shoot it over to uh, to my YouTube a little bit later on. It, you're gonna really be impressed with the way it looks. It's just crazy how it's set up. And the display entirely rolls up to be part of the, uh, the, the roof of the car and it comes down and lights up. Like total, total uh, geekdom and, and the best experiences you can Im- ever imagine in a BMW. And it's coming out. They wouldn't tell me which car, but they told me obviously that it is something that they're working to bring out in this year. So this is not a concept. This is a reality. Just it's a matter of time before it happens. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Um, didn't the HN1 have uh, heating issues like the 888? 
so Sebastian Slobos, yes, exactly. It, it, the architecture didn't really change much, and uh, Qualcomm wasn't really changing. Um, I mean, they were trying to improve. They're still trying to give us more power. They went to a smaller architecture from the uh, basically the five nanometer to two, the four nanometers. So it wasn't a big jump, but the, they're still trying to pull more power out of the system, which generates more heat. Uh, Again, it, it doesn't mean that it's not going to perform well. It's more about consistent playing or consistent throughput for, an, for an, a certain amount of time. And I think that's where the heat management needs to happen. It doesn't mean this is not going to be able to do 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds or even 3 seconds. But it's how, how, how long can it stay at 60, uh, at 60 or even go to 100 after that. That's the consistency where heat starts causing throttling, starts causing different experiences. Um, on, and if I can get my hands on... One thing OnePlus and Oppo do, and I think Samsung's been doing also for some time, but a lot, not a lot of people realize, is they release or they push out their phones when they first come out. They don't actually give you give you the full power of the phone. Like for OnePlus devices and for Samsung devices, you need to turn on throttling mode, or I think it's called, um, uh, let me see what it's called, like uh, enhanced processing. And, and, we'll, and I'm 100% and I'm sure we're going to see it again in the way we have it in there. So it's called processing speed. When you turn that on on your Samsung, that's when you get the full power of the 888. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, it's the same thing with uh, what they did with Oppo. The Find N and the OnePlus 9 and the Find X3 Pro all have a feature inside of the battery mode to turn on performance, high performance mode, which at that point you're getting the full power of the 888. You don't really need it, but if you do and you definitely need to put it on, this is where you turn it on. I don't know if uh, they're ever going to basically put in a, a toggle inside of their notification panel because I feel like that's the best way. Uh, but at least on uh, Samsung's, you can. But, hmm. Oh, I love it. But yeah, uh, Sebastian, you're absolutely right. Uh, the heating concerns are definitely still there. They didn't go away. Um, do you have any new, uh, any updates, news from Sony about the next generation Xperia Pro I? Uh, what would the next... Uh, so... Sony's been, I, I've tried, so the thing with the Pro-I, it barely just came out. So my understanding, at least, the biggest thing that they want to focus on with the next generation of it is to improve the camera experience, maybe actually give us the full potential of the one-inch sensor that we have on the Pro-I. The Pro-I is a, a good improvement. We're starting to see more people start having hands-on with the Pro-I, the full version of the Pro-I. I got a chance to play with the Pro-I back, and Juan Carlos, the same thing when it was a prototype. So the prototype was great, but we just we didn't have access to all of the lenses, not, the hardware wasn't final. And now people and more creators are able to see it, so we're hopefully gonna be able to see some more or better improvements or better experiences there. I'm still waiting from them uh, to get me a, a straight answer as to when the 5 Mark III is gonna be coming. I mean, we are, what, today's the 8th of January, and it is literally a year later. We were supposed to get this in the summer. The 1 Mark III came a little bit later, but the 5 Mark III is still not in the U.S. It's available in Europe and I think in Asia, but just not in the U.S. So I'm, I'm hoping to find out more from them. Uh, the booth here was more of a showcase, not necessarily uh, very much information uh, as far as, you know, future tech and so on. Sorry about that. Let me see here. We're doing good on the battery on the camera. The, BM, the BMW car display is so cool. It, it is crazy cool. Every time I look at that, by the way, this is going to be, I'm hoping this is going to be my thumbnail for the video. Um, yeah, you just, you'll be like, honey, I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be in the car. I'm going to, I need to work on something. It's going to take me, uh, it's a two and a half hour movie. It's going to take me three hours to finish this movie between just sitting down and enjoying it. Um, now they did say that this function will work while the car is work driving, but in driving mode, uh, it disables the speakers in the car and it becomes more of a Bluetooth experience. So you're still able to enjoy this if you're sitting in the back seat. 
Yeah, it's just uh, you know the person in the front seat is going to be like, why am I getting the worst experience in here? They're sitting there enjoying a movie, and I'm like, I'm the chauffeur at this point. Uh, but I'm sure that whatever model model uh, the BMW, it's definitely going to be an amazing. It's supposed to be in their high-end, super luxurious edition cars. I, absolutely. I'm not sure the Model 3 will get that, but it'll be at one of those things, of course. Um, Aditya is jumping in. I am now more inclined towards getting a dump car, one from like 2007, a Polo, uh, a, a Polo or something. I really don't feel comfortable that uh, with that much smart assistance uh, in tech and, and, in, and basically being there and having, having to mute my microphone. Um, it is definitely a balance. You have to kind of figure out what, what features do you want. I'm pretty sure this, this is not going to be available to the, to the masses because I'm pretty sure this is going to be super expensive. It is no question this is Gen 1 of maybe six years or seven years before we start seeing it in other cars like a Ford or you know, a Renault or a Citroën or something, or something like that. Um, so it's one of those things I really appreciate having at least getting a glimpse of. And I, even though I was there for maybe about a minute or so, it felt like a theater, man. It felt like the, the, the a theater experience and I was in a car. And that's crazy because that display is really wide. Like seriously, seriously, one of the really wide monitors uh, where I was trying to see here. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> like uh, here. Here they have the, the uh, okay, is this going to actually come up? No, that's, it's loading means it's a video. Let me see here. I think this was the picture. You could definitely see it's, these are large monitors. And that was the car. It was, they had that encased in a box. So you couldn't even tell what it was. So overall... CES 2022 has been um, a mixture of up and down. There's you know good things, bad things, experiences going on. Uh, it's a start. I don't know how things are going to be the rest of the year. I think I saw somewhere there was an email saying that E3, that typically a convention uh, that is held in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles Convention Center, has announced that it's going to be virtual, and that actually is supposed to come up in months from now. So at the end of the day, I think this is still going to be something that we need to see how how it unfolds. The beginning of 2022. Um, CES was still held. Uh, we'll see how it goes through, and hopefully, we'll we'll have better things and maybe better control over the current situation. But I don't want to. I mean, obviously, I can't tell the future, but we'll have to see how things kind of go in there. Um, I just, uh, I mean, uh, I never wanted smart stuff like like an echo because the Google. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, here, uh, Jimmy Fire Dragon. In terms of Wi-Fi pro, uh, uh, modem, do you prefer the 888 Gen One or the Dimensity 9000? Uh, right now, I'm, I, I mean, since I haven't used the Dimensity 9000, it's hard for me to tell because it's still more of a performance. I still feel like the AD, uh, the Snapdragon uh, modems are uh, performed better for me over the Dimensity modems. Uh, but I think the Dimensity 1200 and uh, 1100 have been a massive improvement. So it, it's not something that is it's hard to provide. It's more about when you, you need to get the higher end models of both uh, chipsets to get the best performance. Uh, but if I had to pick between the two right now, I would probably say the Snapdragon, and we'll have to see how the Dimensity 9000 performs. Um, I'm hoping I'll get I'll be part of the group that works with the Find X4 Pro when that becomes a thing. Um, I'm excited to see how it goes, and I hope you know this becomes something that we can talk about in a little bit and, and share uh, uh, just the experiences and see how things kind of go there. Oh man, let me see here. Is there is there a processor a processor Hall of Fame? What chip would it be in uh, if there's? Oh my God! If they, ha I'm sure the 810 would be there. The uh, the 800 series are definitely going to be there. The 765, I think, would definitely be one of the, one of my chips that I would love to put there because it, it did so well last year with so many devices, giving us flagship experiences with mid-ranger specs. Um, 
but other than that, I think the, the, the biggest other part that I felt like was really the best part is getting a chance to see a lot of creators and, and, and some, of my, some of our friends that we all know. Like Rolando, I got a chance to hang out with him for quite some time. I saw Adam from uh, Tech Odyssey. Uh, I got I saw Josh Quinones, of course, as well. I got to hang out with him as, uh, there. I, I saw Josh uh, Vergara. I saw Issa. I saw a whole bunch of other content creators. Nick Gray from Fandroid. Um, and it was just more about just hanging out and getting to see people. And, of course, the, the folks over at TCL for having us over on Monday and, and doing that little demo area. So that video was really a very excited me being behind the camera. So it was very, very nice. And it kicked off CES with the right foot. So um, with that being said, I know it, it's, we're a little bit over an hour. I know it's uh, usually the show goes a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm, we're finishing up uh, just, you know, kind of like our, our trip here to CES. And... I hope you guys are enjoying the content. There's still some more content coming up. I think at least three to four more um, shorts slash reels that are going to be coming out within the next couple of days. I'm going to try to culminate all of that. And then by Monday, I'm going to drop my video on the S21 FEs, my, my thoughts on the S21 FE. Uh, not just necessarily the hardware, because I don't think this is something that we need to play too much time on it. I think it's more about the concept of what it is and what it represents and when it's coming out and what it does to the market. If it's something that is, uh, we should be paying attention to or should we basically just buckle down and keep our attention focused on the S series as, as I think what we mostly should be doing. So um, this is typically where we do uh, the, uh, I think if you guys are familiar with it, the inception, uh, the TKception. We're going to try to do a condensed version of that one. Um, it's a part of the show where we do a little bit of a visual effect. But as you guys, everybody knows in the chat, we always do that. Um, and I want to bring that back. I don't want to skip that part, of course, of the show. Uh, CES has been a busy week. I am hopefully not going to be coming down with anything, and I'm hopefully going to be okay going back. Um, it's, it's been fun. Can't wait for next year. Uh, hopefully next year we'll have more things to cover, more things to talk about, and, of course, keep things with us here on the show. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Always, always lurking in the background, our buddy, our friends, Mr. Juan Carlos Bagnell. If you haven't left the thumbs up for the uh, and, uh, way to help uh, spread the word for TK's for a show, uh, show as always, thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, it, it is that part of the time where we do our TK-ception. So let's go ahead and bring, I think I'm doing it correctly, and now. Nope, this is, nope, did I, did I, oh, no, 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 oh, that's what it is. I don't want to share it as a screen. Okay, let's go ahead and remove this here. Stop, I'm going to share. Screen two now. There worked always. You got to do it right. Um, so with that being said, I want to say thank you very much for everybody for hanging out with us as always. Chimmy, uh, Chimmy, uh, Chimmy, of course. Sorry, uh, Chimmy Torres is with us. TK Amigo, TKception, TK Our Bay, the Androidception Bay, and TK CES Bay. We're adding those uh, badges going on with us as always. Um, and of course, just everybody hanging out with us, Aditya, the man, the Mr. Cumberbatch of our channel. Of course, TK uh, at Juan Carlos Bagnan. Some, <laughs> some, lurking, <laughs> some lurking in the chat guy, as always, uh, kicking it with us. Uh, Juan's in the show, kicking it with us um, on this beautiful Saturday uh, afternoon. Well, I guess it's lunchtime now, depending where you are. But um, honestly, the best part of this would have been having Juan and I covered show and just basically working it as a team i think hopefully we'll see how 2023 ends up being if that ends up being the year because we all both of he and i talked about this this was going to be a thing that we wanted to do uh, but this is this unfortunately was not the year for it so we'll have to see how that kind of goes um, as always uh, thank you very much to aditya the man the myth himself uh, tkr bay tk making connections at ces bay as always uh, and of course dominic Juan. always thank you i didn't actually even see that you were in the chat man thank you very much for hanging out and, and kicking it with us here um, and we'll be back to, to the regular schedule. 
Don't forget, Monday morning, uh, the SGGQA with uh, Mr. Some Gadget Guy, Juan Carlos Bagnell himself, uh, kicking it with us um, over on his channel at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And then hopefully we'll be back to our normal scheduled time for the best of our week and the Android Bay at the end of the week. Take care of yourself. Be safe. Stay safe. Um, and yeah, just try to be as best as you can. And, and we'll see each other in the next uh, week or so. We'll see what other additional new things coming up. I am going to keep you guys posted if I'm able to get my hands on on that Dragon Ball phone, which I am working very hard on. So I appreciate it. Take care, everybody. I'll see you in the next show. Bye-bye for now.